This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parsh Mishpat in 5781, everybody. I will tell you, I've given shiurim on this Pasuk quite often, just not for the Chumash shir. But I've been talking about this Pasuk for a long time now, and it's one of my favorite psukim, because I truly feel nobody has any idea what happens here. People don't even think about it. That's the problem. People don't even realize what's over here. The Pasuk says, Vayichtov Moshe Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down all the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Vayashkem Bavokov, even he's back to Zahor, he got up in the morning, this is the fifth day, the fourth day is when he wrote down the words of Hashem, that's the fourth day of Sivan, three days before Matan Torah, two days according to Rav Yossi. And he got up in the morning on the fifth day, he built a Mizbeach underneath the mountain, and he built 12 Matsevas. Matsevas were not yet Aser. Matseva was like a stand, sort of like a monument for the 12 Shvatim Eklai Yisrael. So the question is obvious, what was he writing down? What did he write down? What does it mean, all the words of Hashem? Was this the Sefer Torah that we have today? He wrote down the Sefer Torah? After all, we say that the Torah was given to Har Sinai, so it sounds like he wrote it, but this is before the Aseris Adibros, according to Rashi. Ramban says it was after, but according to Rashi, it was before the Aseris Adibros. So there are seemingly five different opinions about what was written down over here. What was written down? So here's the first. Rashi says, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote a sefer that started from Bereshis Baralokim and went up until, and not including Matan Torah. And he wrote this. It went up until Dalatziv and he wrote down the sefer. He wrote Bereshis. Bereshis Noach Lachlo Vayerachai Yisrael told us Vayetz Vayishlach Vayeshav Miketz Vayigash Vayichi Shmos Vayera Bo Bishalach and parts of Yisra. That's what he wrote down. And that's absolutely amazing. It also included the mitzvot that they were commanded at Mara. So there were certain mitzvot they got there. Dinin, Paraduma, Kibbutah, Ba'im, Shabbos, etc. He wrote those down as well. And this is also the Sefer Abris mentioned in Pasuk Zion. That's what he says. The Chizkuni says there is no real order to the Torah. So this may have been the Tochacha, the curses and the brachos of Parshas Bechu Kosai. Remember, there are two times in the Torah where Moshe Rabbeinu admonishes B'nai Yisrael. One is in Parshas Bechu Kosai and one is Parshas Kisavo. This may have been the Tochacha of Parshas Bechu Kosai, which was told to them at that moment in Harsinai. Once they accepted it, they immediately had the blood of the bris sprinkled upon them, the blood of the korbanos of the Nare B'nai Yisrael. They were made Tahor. And that's what it, the idea of, that's the second thing that it possibly could be. That's the Chizkuni. The Rabbeinu Bechaya says a similar answer, but it's our third answer. He wrote down the conditions of their acceptance of the Torah. If they listen, then they're going to get X. And if they don't listen, they're going to get Y. And that's what they ended up listening to. They ended up doing that. Ibn Ezra says a fourth answer, and this is taken by many of the Rishonim. Targum Unculus, Targum Yonason, the Sforno, the Ramban, the Rashbam. They all seem to say that he wrote down the words of Hashem means the mitzvos that he commanded them up until now. That would be like, I guess, Brismila, Pedina Ben, Gira Nasha, Kiddush HaChodesh, Shechita, Korban Pesach, Matzah, Maror, not eating chametz, etc. Those mitzvahs, along with what they learned, the Sheva Mitzvahs Bnei Noach, Paraduma, Kibra Be'im, he wrote down a mitzvah book, a book filled with mitzvahs. They wrote them down up until, and maybe even including Parshas Mishpatim, which is the beginning of this Parsha. Right? It's possible that's the idea. Now, the reason why I think that Targum agrees with this is that he says the word Pisgamaya. He wrote down the Divya Hashem, he wrote the laws of Hashem. So it sounds like Targum, 
Targum, Onkelos, and Yonis Menutil are both saying that he wrote down the laws of Akadosh Baruch Hu, and that's what he put down over here. So that's the fourth, the fourth answer that we have. The fifth answer is Rabbi Yudah Chosid. It's quoted by the Paneach Raza. He says he wrote down the Aseres Hadibros, which hadn't been given yet, although you could say that he holds like the Ramban, that this was after Mountain Torah. But he wrote down the Ten Commandments and nothing else. There was nothing else that he put down. So again, Bereshis up until now, right? The Tochacha of Bechukosai, the conditions of the Bris, all the mitzvahs they got up until now, or the Aseres Hadibros. Those are the five opinions of what he wrote down. Rav Shavel in the bottom of the Ramban, says the machlokis between Rashi and the others could be based on when this parsha happened. Rashi says that this parsha happened during the six days leading up to Shavuos, on the 4th of Sivan, he says. Therefore, because it was before Matan Torah, on the 4th or 5th day of Sivan, they could only write down what they had learned up until that point, and that's it. However, the Ramban, the Ibn Ezra, the Sforno, they say all the parshos are in order. This happened after Matan Torah. Mishpatim comes after Yisro, so it happened after Matan Torah. So it's possible they wrote down the laws that they had heard, that they had just heard, or all the laws they had heard. It's possible that that's Machlokas. That's a great point by Chevelle, by Rav Chevelle, right? But nonetheless, it leads us to understand, we have to ask ourselves, what in the world is Rashi saying? Rashi's opinion. Why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu command him to write down all of Sefer Bereshis now? What would they need that for? Why do they need Sefer Bereshis? You want to say the laws, I totally get it. You want to say the bris, I totally get it. The Aserah I totally get. But Sefer Bereshis? Why would they need to know a history right now? Especially because in the next Pasuk, in Pasuk Zion, Moshe Rabbeinu reads it to the people as if this is something they need to know. Why did they need to know this? What in the world happened that made them need to know this? So the Miyam Lue says that they saw punishments being given to previous generations that did not follow in the correct ways. Dor Hamabel, destroyed. Dor Haflaga, destroyed. The Mitzrayim, destroyed. One after the other, when people did something wrong, they were punished. And when people did something right, they were rewarded. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, they were rewarded. Seeing people being rewarded and punished for what was happening, and that's what Sefer Bereshis in the beginning of Shmos is, allowed them to understand why they had to accept the Torah properly. What was the point of them accepting the Torah? It was exactly for that reason. They would realize the midos of Hashem. And you've all heard the line, Derek Eretz Kadma Torah. The idea behind Derek Eretz Kadma Torah is that they had to understand how God works before they could actually learn the Torah properly. And that's it. They wrote this down. So in a way, the way the Me'am always says it, it's sort of like the other ideas. It's a bris. It's Parshish Buchu Gosai. It's what they needed to know in order to learn the Torah properly. And Mizrahi says there's a machlokis in the fifth parak of Gittin. This is Daf Samach. A very easy way to remember this Daf, by the way, is just the word Sefer. You want to remember the Sefer Torah? It's Samach in Gittin. How the Torah was written and what happened in order for the Torah to be written. Rabbi Yochanan says it was written Megillah, Megillah. Meaning it was written piece by piece. A little bit of the Torah here, a little bit of the Torah there, a little bit of the Torah there. One by one. One Parsha, then another Parsha, then another Parsha. One Parsha at a time. That's how the Mizrahi said it. According to Rashi, Rashi explains over there in that Gemara, according to Rabbi Yochanan, it means Bereshis was written, then Noach was written, then he calls it Parshas Avraham. Interesting, right? He doesn't call it Lech Lecha. Parshas Avraham, but it was written in separate Parshas altogether. Reish Lakish, however, holds Torah Chasuma Nitna. The Torah, Rashi says, that means the Torah was written at the end, sealed. It was one big thing, and that's it. It was just one big thing, all put together at one time, and that was it. Nothing was written down before then. You have, again, Parsha by Parsha, that's the first of it, Rabbi Yochanan, and all together at the end, at the end of the 40 years. 
Okay, so the way that the Mizrahi understands it is that our Rashi is trying to explain like Rabbi Yochanan. HaKadosh Baruch who told Moshe to write it down piece by piece. He wrote down Bereshis up until where they were. As time went down in the Midbor, they wrote more. After the Aser Zibros, they wrote down the Aser Zibros. After Parshas Truma Tetzavah, Kisis of Vayakob they wrote down those Parshos. After Vayikra, they wrote down Sefer Vayikra. After Midbor, they wrote down Sefer Midbor. And then at the end, they finished off the Torah. That's the way, and Rashi's learning, and this is how the Mizrahi is saying it, Rashi's learning, it's going all according to Rabbi Yochanan, not like Reish Lakish. And normally, typically speaking, if we have Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish, who would you hold like? Rabbi Yochanan versus Reish Lakish, we'd always go with? Rabbi Yochanan. So it makes sense. Rashi's going with the opinion of the Rebbe, Rabbi Yochanan over his Talmud, Reish Lakish. That's how Mizrahi says. However, Tosvos argues that may not be what happened. It could be, what it means is, Chasuma Nitna means it was written only after Hashem told them what's right. It could be, says Tosos, that they wrote piece by piece by piece, even if the old Chasuma Nitna. But they didn't put it down in the order that we have in the Torah. They didn't put it down that way until everything was finished. Once HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, so they had like a Megillah that had one part of the Torah, another Megillah with another part of the Torah, but it's out of order because not everything is according to the order of how it happened. So they wrote it down afterward, and they were ready to put it together. But at the end of the day, everything was put together only chasuma at the very, very end. That's how Tosas understands it. As a timeout, I'm just going to tell everybody, no matter how we understand this, it's not like people are writing down the Torah on their own. This is still from Akarish Baruch Hu to Moshe Rabbeinu directly through the type of nevuah known as Aspaklaria Hameira, which was a clear nevuah in which Moshe Rabbeinu was not guessing. He knew exactly what God wanted him to say, and he put it down in the Torah. This is not a guy saying like, you know what, I'm going to write this down, or I'm going to write that down. That's not what was happening, and I just want to make sure everybody knows that. I'm not trying to say chas v'shalom, that different parts of the Torah were written by different people at different times. That's ridiculous, and nobody holds that way. For sure, that's not what Rabbi Yochanan means. He means everything in the Torah is written by Moshe Rabbeinu. Everything in the Torah was written by a Kaddish Baruch Hu telling Moshe Rabbeinu what to write. Just a question of when and how. That's the only Machlok Zavir. Otherwise, everything is the same. Rav Chaim Paltiel, he's a Rishon, and the Tzedah Lederich both say, even if you hold the Torah was given Chasuma, it could be it was only written down in order to tell the people what they wanted to say. You know, sometimes you write notes so you can refer back to your notes and you have it. Well, Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to tell over certain parts of the Torah. It wasn't meant to be written down as Torah, says Rechaim Peltiel, to say to Lidar. That's not what he meant. He didn't say like, okay, now I'm writing it down so that you all can see it. We're writing it and so everybody can read it out loud. No, no, no. It was written down only so they could have writing in front of them so they could say, okay, remember this? Oh, this is it. That's what it was. They would have everything in front of them. That's how they understand it. And that makes a lot of sense. But it wasn't fully sealed. It wasn't the safer Torah that we have until the end of 40 years. And that's Chasuma Nitna, and that's how they understand it. However, it could be that the Torah and Matan Torah, right, after Matan Torah, was given Stuma in such a way. And that's going to take a little bit of work. What exactly does that mean? Nachalus Yaakov even says that the Mizrahi is messing up entirely. The Machlokis, Rabbi Yochum Reish has nothing to do with this Rashi. So we have to understand something. What's going on here? So I'm going to tell you guys a briskarov. There's a famous question by the briskarov. He asked it, and it's an obvious question. He wonders, this Sefer that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote, does it have the din of Ksivas Sefer Torah or not? The Grizz is making the assumption that he wrote all of Sefer Barashas. Barashas, Noach, Lech, everything is being written up until Parshas Yisro right now, and they had a scroll, and they had it right now. 
is that a din ksivas safer Torah that you need to have the regular parchment, you have to use ink, dio, it's got to be written in the same way that we write our safer Torah today. Does it have that halacha that you need to write it in that way? Or is it only in the way for this specific safer to be written? It's a separate mitzvah to write this down. Whatever this was, bracious noach lachacha, is that it? Which one was it exactly? Meaning, it seems they were only commanded to write certain things down later. Look in Parshas Kisisa. Parshas Kisisa, it says, Ksov Ela. Write down these words. I want you to write down these words. Rashi says, it's written down, it's not Torah Shabalpeh. By a Malik in last week's Parsha, right? They were supposed to write down what happened with a Malik. Again, that's not the Sefer Torah necessarily. That's that we're required to write it down in a different fashion. Not as Ksivas Sefer Torah to have the same din as the Sefer Torah, but a separate din of a separate Sefer that seemed to have been Chayiv for them to do. That's how the Briska Rav seems to say it over there. Especially if they were told to write down the mitzvos given in Marah and the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. That's not part of the Sefer Torah anywhere. We don't have the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach written down anywhere. We don't have the separate mitzvos given in Marah told to us. We know that by Torah Shaval Peh. If Moshe Rabbeinu was told to write down Bracious until Matan Torah and the mitzvos they received at Marah and the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, we don't have a Sefer like that. That doesn't exist in our Torah. If, in fact, if I would ask you, what are the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach? Maybe you'll know because of the acronym, right? Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, and the big three. Maybe you'll know for that. But most people don't know it. It's not something that you have. You don't have a Sefer that's written on the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach that are straight, a Sefer Torah that has that. So says the Briskarov, it sounds like, it sounds like, you can't prove it, but it sounds like this Sefer is a totally different Sefer than what we have today. It's not connected to our Torah Shabbat So it could very well be the Rashi holds Torah Chasuma Nitna. The Torah was sealed at the end of 40 years. The real Torah that we have, Bereshis, Noach, Lach, 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 was sealed at the end. That's the Sefer Torah that we got at the end of 40 years. What was this now? What was this? A separate Sefer that Moshe Rabbeinu was told to write, right? maybe without Hashem's input. Maybe it's Moshe Rabbeinu's own Sefer. And it's a separate din of a separate sefer that they should write down at this time. There would be a basic history of everything that was around there that happened up until that point that didn't even make it into our sefer Torah at the end of the day. That's a huge chiddush of the briskarov. Up until now, we looked at Rashi and we said, me beracious, that matan Torah. What's the shaila? He wrote part of the sefer Torah. And therefore, Rashi says, it's Rabbi Yochanan, Rish Lakish, he holds like Rabbi Yochanan. He wrote down the parshios and that was it. Right? That's what it seems to be. But now comes the briskarov and says, no, there are other dinim. This is not din ksiva sefer Torah, the mitzvah that appears in Parshish Vayelach, the last mitzvah of the Torah, to write down a sefer Torah, that you have a mitzvah to write down your own sefer Torah for yourselves when you have the, the money to be able to do so. That's not what we're referring to. We're not referring to that. You know what this is? This is a totally separate sefer, a totally separate idea, something completely separate that Moshe Rabbeinu was told to write down at that time for whatever reason that Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted him to write down. That's beautiful. Now, there's a, a great tzaddik. His name is Remenachem Kasher. He doesn't get the accolades he received. He should receive. Remenachem Kasher wrote the Sefer Torah Shlema. And when I say Torah Shlema, and when I say the Sefer, I mean it is a 12-volume set of every medrash you could possibly find. Now, don't challenge me and say, like, I found a medrash that doesn't appear in Torah Shlema. It's possible. 
But this tape, these farm have everything. Each one is about this thick, and there's 12 of them. 12 of them, and he doesn't even do Sefer Debarim. It goes up until Parshas Masse, and that's it. In some of this farm, he wrote Miluim. Miluim were sort of like his Chaburas that he wrote, and certain subjects that just, he, he had a breadth of knowledge like you cannot believe, like a computer encyclopedic knowledge that you absolutely cannot believe somebody could have. He wrote notes on every single medrash. It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling to know that there's someone out there, a guggle within the last hundred years, who was able to do something without the use of a computer. Without a computer. It's just absolutely mind-boggling to know. He writes about this in his Miluim to Sefer Torah Shlema. He writes about what's the status of this Sefer Beratius in the beginning of Sefer Shmos. So he quotes from Sadia Gon. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, this is 80 pages of Miluim that I'm trying to condense into this shear. Okay, so I'm trying to put all those together. So you'll forgive me if I'm leaving stuff out or I'm not telling you everything there. I suggest that you find it. It's at the end of Parshish Mishpatim in the Torah Shlema. It is a full 80 pages in which he goes through everything you can imagine. It is um, unbelievable stuff. But he says, he quotes Rav Sadiagon. Rav Sadiagon says that the whole Torah was only put together at the end of the 40 years in the Midbor, seemingly like Reish Lakish, Chasuma Nitna, given at the very, very end. Anything they had up until that point was not considered the actual Torah. So whatever Moshe Rabbeinu would have written down over here, not the actual Torah. Whatever they wrote by the end of Parshish Bishalach about Amalek, not the actual Torah. Whatever they have in Parshish Kisisak, Sov not the actual Torah. The only Torah they had was at the end of the 40 years itself. Right? Rashi seems to say Sefer Abris. Says Rosadigon, that might not be what he means. I mean, Rosadigon obviously is before Rashi. He's not going to explain Rashi. But that's not exactly, maybe perhaps that's not what Rashi means, says Menachem Kasher. Maybe it means that it was made of different scrolls and there were different parts put together, but it's not our actual Torah. I'm not going to quote the Mechilta. The Gurari and the Rashba in Gittin seems to say, like Rav Sadigon, they say that even according to Rashi, this is a different Sefer. They lived after Rashi. A Sefer of is interesting. But I'll tell you something that's really crazy over here. Interestingly enough, Rashi and Gittin says that the opinion of Megillah, Megillah, Nitna, that each one was Megillah, means that each Parsha was written separately. Here's the wording of Rashi. If you remember, I quoted this before. Parshas Bereshis, Parshas Noach, Parshas Avraham Avinu. When in the world was that written? Does anybody know that? I mean, even right now, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the entire Sefer Bereshis and the beginning of Shmos put together. He never separated into different Parshas as Bereshis, Noach, etc. There is no Parshas Avram Avinu. We don't have that. Such a thing doesn't exist. We have Lech Lecha, we have Bayera, we have Chayesara, but there is no Parshas Avram Avinu. It doesn't exist. This is something that we absolutely don't have. So it's weird. So the way that Ramanakam Kasha understands it, this opinion seems to be problematic. He brings down all the different opinions in the Mechilta. There's four, possibly five different opinions, right? It's possible that there were different Megillos written at the time that were there for people to understand the history of the day. Now, it's unfortunate. Whatever these farm were, we don't have it. We don't have these farm. But the way he's saying it is, there was always a Parshas Beratius. It always existed. There was a book in which they wrote down all the different things that happened from the beginning of the world up until the times of Noah. And our Sefer Beratius is what HaKadosh Baruch who told Moshe Rabbeinu to write down as our Sefer Beratius. But it always existed. There was a history book out there that went through the first ten generations of the world. And then there was a Parshish Noah. There was always a book out there that talked about the Mabel. 
They're talking about what happened and who was killed and how they, got, how they died and what happened to Noah after the Teva. It always existed. And HaKadosh Baruch who told Moshe Rabbeinu what to put in the Sefer Torah from Parshas Noah. And there was a book about Avram Avinu. You don't think there were biographies of the life of Avram Avinu? I don't know how they were able to write down back then. I know there were books of some sort or whatever you want to call it. And they had papyrus, so they had scrolls of some sort. But there was a book of Avram Avinu's life, a biography, probably written by Rabbi Yonis and Rosenblum, I would assume, put together, in which everything is written down there, and every single thing has down everything that happened in Avram Avinu's life. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu to put down, as Parshas Lachlan Bayer and Chayisara, parts of that in the words that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to put in the Torah itself. It seems like there was something different, and perhaps... This was written by the Avos themselves. Maybe the Avos themselves were involved in this. They passed it on from generation to generation. They have a record of what happened during their lifetime. Now the truth is, this is not a Chiddush of Rashi, nor is it a Chiddush of Ramanachim Kasher, which is already a massive Chiddush. He quotes a Shmos Rabbah, Parakei Parak Yudchas, which I've mentioned in this year before. Parakei Pasuk Yudchas, where he says that the Jews in Mitzrayim had Megillos, that they would read every Shabbos. Yismach Moshe b'mat naschelko. Moshe Rabbeinu gave them the gift of Shabbos. He told Paro that you don't want them to do that. You want to give them a day off so that the slaves are not overtired. So they gave them a day off. They gave them Shabbos. And on Shabbos, says the Medrash, they would read Megillahs. Megillahs. What Megillahs? It doesn't say. The Megillahs may have been this. The Megillahs about the Avos. The Megillahs about what happened in Barashas and Noah. They would read these Megillahs. Marzav. Over there says, those Megillahs consisted of everything written in Sefer Barashas. Stories of the Avos and Noach and Adam and the Mabo and the Haflaga. All the prophecies, everything's written down. And probably this is what Rashi means in Gittin when he said Sefer Barashas and Sefer Noach and Sefer Parshas Barashas, Parshas Noach, Parshas Avram Avinu. Probably he's referring to these Megillahs. But there are other Midrashim. Shmos Rabbah, Heichav Beis. It says that Moshe Rabbeinu took, it's unbelievable, he took a Sefer Barashas and read about the deeds of the people during the times of the Mabal and Aflaga and Stone, and could not understand why B'nai Yisrael deserved to be saved out of Mitzrayim. And that's when, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Moshe, you're going to be sent to go save them. He said, what? I don't want to save them. These people are crazy. They're just like Stone. They're just like Dora Flaga. He read it out of a Sefer Barashas. That happened before Matan Torah. He read it out of a Sefer Barashas. Whatever this is, the book, the history book that existed at that time. The, more than that. It says in Barashas Rabbam, Pei Samech There's a Sefer called Sefer Ayasher, which may have been put together by the Avos. That's a little bit of a question. But regardless, Sefer Ayasher, which seems to be a history the Torah didn't get to. And it, it seems that that was written not by Rishonim, but rather by people from before the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. From before the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. And they had that Sefer. That Sefer Ayasher was there. That Sefer Ayasher is where we have... You know, the, the, almost like the comic book where the Shvatim fight against all the people around them, the war of the world, right, where they fought against everyone. That's in Sefer Ayasher. It seems to be that was there. That's pretty sure. There's another Medrash, Yalkut Shimoni Parshas Chukas, number 764. Moshe Rabbeinu walked up to Aaron and he presented him Sefer Barashas. He showed him everything written and down inside there and he showed how everything God does is for the best. You want to show him that everything Hashem does is for the best. And Aaron said, does this mean I'm going to die? 
after he's reading Sefer Bereshit. Now, granted, this is after Matan Torah. This is in the 40th year of the Midbar. But he hadn't written the Sefer Torah yet. Does this mean I'm going to die? Right? And that's that. And he understood that it was his time to die and it was the best thing. So he accepted it wholeheartedly. That's what the Medrash says. They had elongated versions of the stories brought in the Torah Kedosha. They had some sort of a Medrash, if you want to call it that way, the Megillos that they had in Mitzrayim. And maybe that's what we're referring to over here, what Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down on the fourth day of Sivan. It could be that it's part of the Torah. It could be that that's what Rashi means over here. And it could very well be it's a Parshish Bereshit and a Parshish Noach and a Parshish something that the people could see and read from and know what there was there. It could even be that they still remain, retained the status of a book written by a Navi. It might not be Torah. Might not have the status of Torah, because that's Moshe Rabbeinu with Moshe, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu Aspaklariah HaMeira. Nothing else can compare to that. There is no one else in the world that can write something that can equate to the Torah. And that's the problem with the other religions who think that we have 24 books and they're all the same. That's ridiculous. We have Torah and then we have Nach. Torah is written in one way, Nevi'im is written in one way, and Ksuvim is written in another way. They're all completely different styles and completely different ideas of what they were. Torah is by far, it's completely separate. It's not even close to the others. You can't compare the others. They're in different worlds altogether. Any of these farm, if they were there, there's no way they had the status of a Sefer Torah. Yerushalmi, Megillah, Gimel, Dalid seems to say exactly that. That the farm that existed before had the status of those written by a Navi. It says over there in Yushami that Moshe Rabbeinu is metakin that they read the Torah on Shabbos, Yom Tif, Rosh Chodesh, and Chol Moed. They had to read the Sfarim. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't alive when they had Sfarim available to read on Rosh Chodesh, Yom Tif, Shabbos, and Moed. What Sfarim could there be? It must be that these Sfarim are what we're talking about over here. That's what we're referring to. And you know all the Medrash. We just had it. In Parshas Yisro, after they le- uh, start, sorry, Parshas Bishalach, after they got out of the sea, lo matzumayim, they couldn't find any water. Chazal say they went three days without learning Torah. And Moshe Rabbeinu made a decree that they had to lane Mondays, Thursdays, and Shabbos. You would never go three days without learning Torah. That Tekana, that decree was institutionalized by Ezra, which is why we have Monday, Thursday, and Shabbos now laning on Monday, Thursday, and Shabbos. But it was started by Moshe. I mean, even the Gemara agrees with that in Megillah. It was started by Moshe, but it just wasn't accepted completely. What were they laning? What were they laning? Mara was right after they got out of Kriyas Yamsuf. There was nothing to lane. He didn't even write down the Sefer yet. This is Dalid Sivan. This was three days in Nisan. What were they laning? It must be they had something. There was some sort of scroll, some sort of Sefer, something they were reading from, right, that later on, HaKadosh Baruch obviously switched it out for what this Sefer Torah is. There is no question about a Mesorah. We know that there was a Mesorah given from Adam Rish and went all the way down how to live their lives correctly. There's a Medrash Tanchuma in a Perish Chadash brought by Reb Shimon Astrok that says that Adam Rish learned with Mesushelach for 300 years. Mesushelach taught Noach for a period of 500 years until he died right before the Mabel. Avram was 58 when Noach died and learned and she was shamed the Aver where Noach was. Right? He taught Yitzchak and he taught Yaakov Avinu. Obviously, we know Yitzchak and Yaakov both went to Yeshiva Shem Be'ever. Levi learned by him for almost 60 years, meaning learned by Yaakov Avinu. And Kehas learned from his father Levi, leading to Amram, Aaron, and even Moshe. Remember, Moshe Avinu may have grown up in the palace, but he was mostly in his parents' house. Because they were the ones who raised him. That's how he knew the shame to be able to destroy the Mitzri. Do you guys know the shame how to destroy a Mitzri? He did. 
and he lived in the Paros, Paros Palace. Clearly he knew something, he was taught something. There was a Mesora that they were given, something that was given over that continued all the way through. Mori Nevuchim talks about this in Chelek Bey's Paraklamites. In fact, the Redak, Reb David Kimchi, the great Rishon, Reb David Kimchi in Yud Aleph Aleph and Bereshis, Parak Yud Aleph Aleph, says there were Sifrei Chachmos written before the Mabel by the wise men of those generations because they lived hundreds of years. They had, sto- they had books of astrology. They had books of all the different herbs that were out there. They wrote books. Without a doubt, Noach and his sons is what the Radak writes. Radak, Rishon. Without a doubt, Noach and his sons also wrote different Svarim that have been lost since then. There are more that we just don't have. How they put it down, etc. Sefer Tolas Yaakov says, In the days of Adam Rishon, a Sefer fell from the heavens, written by the Malach Raziel. And although we don't know much about this Malach, the secrets of God is his name. That Sefer Raziel, you might see it, you know, they say that if you have this Sefer in your house, your house will be saved from a fire. Maybe you've seen it. They make them tiny little farm, little tiny things filled with Kabbalistic concepts, and I don't understand, because why should we, right? That's sort of not what we do, but that was what the Malachim sent down in Bav Metziah, Pei, Heyom, and Beis. Shmuel, the Amora Shmuel, said to Rebbe Yudanasi, he saw the Sefer of Adam Harishon, and it said in it, Dor, Dor, Vidor, Shav, all the generations and the leaders of each generation, and he knew about himself that he was never going to be a Rebbe. That Shmuel knew about himself. He would not get smicha from Rebbe because he was going to be a doctor. He would never be a, 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 a what's it called, a, a Rebbe. And he refused to get smicha because of it. It's unbelievable. Well, what kind of a safer is that? Now you should know, although the Tshuva Sarashba in Chelek Aleph, Tuf Kuf Memches, that's 548, says that there's no record of such a safer anywhere. And Shmuel meant it in a colloquial fashion in some way. It seems that the Zohar speaks about this everywhere. The Sefer of Adam Rishon. He brings seven, the Rav Menachem Kasha brings seven different places where the Zohar brings down the Sefer over here. He also talks about the Sefer, Sefer Achanoch in a few places as well. Those are Sfarim that still exist today if they're the authentic versions that they were back then. I don't know if they are the authentic versions. But that's the Sfarim, the Sefer of Adam Rishon, which we don't have. The Sefer of Raziel, the Sefer of Chanoch. Something's there, there's something about it. Rav Sadiagon, the Kuzari, and the Tsiuni all claim that Avram Avinu was the author of Sefer Yitzira. You've heard of Sefer Yitzira, the Sefer of creating things, a, a Kabbalistic Sefer that still exists today. Not only that, but the Rimi Barceloni says he had other Svarm Chitzonim. Avraham wrote other Svarm Chitzonim. And remember when it says he had his other six children, the six children of Keturah, right? Yishbak, Shuach, Midian, Midan, etc. And he sent them to the Far East. He sent them over to the Far East. He gave them the matanos, the gifts that he gave them, according to the Rimi Barcelona, the Ria Barcelona, says it was these Sfarim. He gave them these Sfarim and brought it over to them. These are the Sfarim that he gave over to them. Clearly, there was something that was a little bit different. However, he does argue with the others and says, Sefer Yitzir was not written by Avram Avinu. That Sefer Yitzir is something completely different. It was put together from maybe place, different things that Avram Avinu may have written, but Sefer Yitzir was not put together by Avram Avinu himself. He does argue with that. The point that we're saying over here in the Rambam in Hilchos Tefillah, Perak Tesalach Aleph says, Adam Rishon was commanded to do six mitzvahs. Noach added on Abraham and Achai. There's so much over here. The point we're making is, is that it's not so simple to say that the first Sefer that we ever got was Sefer Torah at the end of 40 years. It seems based on these Midrashim, possibly even more, 
it's possible that they had other sfarim beforehand. Things that they needed to know, things that they were supposed to know. And maybe even history books. And maybe even a Parshish Bracious, Maybe a Parshish Noach and a Parshish Avram Avinu. That may not have had any shaykhs to the Kedusha Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. But was definitely a predecessor that they still learned out of and darshaned out of and figured things out from. It's possible they have this. It's an unbelievable thing over here. I can't tell you anything for sure. I can just tell you what we have over here. It's a possibility that it's there. So what did Rashi mean when Rashi says the word? that he wrote me voracious Admat and Torah it's possible and maybe even Shaykh that he didn't write our Sefer Torah me voracious Admat and Torah it's possible that's not what he means it could be it's Rabbi Yochanan and that's the opinion he wrote that Parsha but it's also possible that what Rashi means to say is that he wrote down a history book something they had to know so that they could understand what they would need in the future what they would have in the future. And it's possible they got tremendous Hatzlacha from it and they were able to learn from it. They always were the people of the book and they gained tremendously from that Sefer. We don't know. We have absolutely no idea. All right, to end this, guys, we, we have about six minutes left. Let's say the Mizbeach. At the end of the Pasuk, if you remember, the end of the Pasuk says, by Yashkin Babok, he got up on the fifth morning. By Yiva Mizbeach, that's already built a Mizbeach under the mountain. Twelve Matzevas. He built a Mizbeach right over there. Now, this Mizbeach was built on the fifth of Sivan. One day or two days before Matan Torah. One or two days before Matan Torah. He bases that on the Mechilta, as well as the Gemara and Shabbos, Pechas and Okay, that, that's where he gets it from. They built it up on the fifth day. That would mean, the Ramban argues, remember, the Ramban, the Rashba, the Sforno, they say this happened after Matan Torah, but that's another story for another time. That would mean Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountain with the Zekanim, as well as Nadav and Aviyu, on the sixth of Sivan, right, the very next day. Rashi's Shita is that they went up on the 6th, not the 7th, right? The 6th, not the 7th. Okay, the Rebio says it was on the 7th, that's fine. The Nitziv says each Shevet was supposed to bring a Korban. They would bring a Korban Chagiga and their own personal Matseva slash Mizbeach. It's not just that there was one Mizbeach and then 12 Matseva. The Matseva was there for them to bring a Korban, which is weird, you think it would be on the Mizbeach itself. But that's where he says his Be'achogulima Midbar. Moshe Rabbeinu knew that there would be too many people trying to bring korbanos at the same time, so he separated them. Everyone would have a chance to bring their own korban. That's what it means. It's possible that's there. The Ayelus HaShachar says it seems weird you bring an Amatseva. There's a long story behind this, fine. But that's that. The Rashbam says that all 12 Shvatim were represented here to show that all 12 agreed to this. Nobody disagreed with the Torah. Everybody wanted to accept the Torah. No matter what happened, they did not bring, that. They, they didn't do anything different. They all wanted to be together. And the Chizkuni agrees with this. He says it was placed like the Degullim. Three on one side, three on one side, three on one side, three on one side, with the Mezbeach in the middle, each Matzeva representing a Shevet. Okay, beautiful. But it's strange. And what's strange is, is that this is the time where we say, Vayichan Negedahor. The Bnei Yisrael were together, camped by the mountain, Right? We say, everybody knows this Rashi, right? They're all one. They're all unity. There was unity together. You mean in a time of unity, when everybody had Achtus, they considered themselves one. Yehuda and Shimon had no issues with each other. Yosef and Ephraim, Ephraim and Menashe, Binyamin, God, Usher, everybody's together. And you separate them? And you give them different Matsevas? Wouldn't you want to have one big Mizbech so that everybody feels like they're all together? That's the question that Achronim asks. Why in the world would you do this? The, the smartest thing to do would be to have one matseva, one matseva, one mizbeach that stands for everybody and say, look, we all did it together. That would be the best thing to do over here. 
So if Sternbach says, that's exactly the point. And this is such a great point he says in Tam Vidas. Separation of Klal Yisrael into 12 different Shvatim is not to keep them separate. That's a mistake. The point of having 12 Shvatim is to allow for each one of them to perfect themselves in the way that's best for them. There's a minute to have 12 windows in a shul. 12 windows in a shul. We happen to have 10. But 12 windows in a shul altogether. Why do you have 12 windows? So that each shavit, the way they need to daven, can go up in the path that it's supposed to go up in. Wherever it's supposed to go, it's going to go up to Shemaim in its path, in its way. There were possibly 12 different nusuchs of tefillah. 12 different nusuchs of tefillah. We spoke about this, remember, last week, that concept of the 13th path for Dustin and Aviram going through the, going through the Yam. It's possible that's nusuch svar that the Arizal was able to put together. But 12 all together for each one, it's not that we're trying to say everybody should be separate. It's that we're not the same. We all are different. And we all have different ways of connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This allowed for everyone to retain their distinct personality within their shevet. To let them know that even when even when you feel like you're all together as one, even when you feel that achtus, nonetheless you should know it's beautiful to have your own derech, your own way to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You saw what were you going to say? That what? Oh, it was two weeks ago? I don't remember. Oh, Bishalach. That's okay. It's fine. It felt like it was last week. That's how awesome it was. Rabbi Victor Miller talks about this in his parish as well. There's no one, there's no one that says this as, as, as well as Rabbi Victor Miller, in my opinion. Each shevet possessed their own characteristics. They maintained their own territory, their own identity. Originally, only marrying into their shevet, knowing that that was good for them. They, they knew that marrying into another shevet, we are like this. All of shevet Ephraim was like, all of shevet Menashe, all of Binyamin, all of Gun, all of God, all of Asher, etc. They were all like that. Only when undesirable midos of, just popped up from within did they feel they had to go to another shevet to bring in their midos to help each other out. Because again, when people diversify and there's more children, sometimes you have to allow them to find their derech, find somewhere else for them to go so that they have the ability to find what they need. It helped knock down any insurrections. Shevet Yehuda and Binyamin considered themselves completely separate shvatim. So when Yeruvam ben Nevat rebelled against Shlomo Amelech, a Rechavam really, when he finally succeeded in the times of Rechavam, Yehuda and Binyamin retained their identity and didn't go along with the rest of Klal Yisrael. They said, no, we'll be our own. And Shevet Levi joined them. So you could have ten Shvatim and two along with Shevet Levi retaining their identity and staying in their area knowing who they were. It allows for certain things to happen. Shevet Binyamin honestly felt when Pelegesh Begiva happened, they're our people, we're going to judge them. You won't judge them the way we do. We understand these people from Shevet Binyamin. They, they may be B'nai Belial. They may be evil people. But Shevet Yehuda and Shevet Yisachar is not going to understand Shevet Binyamin the way we do. So we judge them. We're supposed to judge them, not anybody else. It's an amazing ability. The way the Rameir Shapiro used to say is that some people say Hodu before Baruch Shama. Other people say Baruch Shamar before Hodu. But when you get to Yichvod Hashem Le'olam, when you mention the honor of HaKadosh Baruch who lasts forever, everybody agrees that's where you start and you go on from there. That's the concept. And it's an amazing idea. It really is an amazing idea. They go through there. And Aznaim Latorah says it's possible in Avu into the future. But this concept, this idea of B'nai Yisrael seeming separate when they should be together is exactly the point. 
when you feel like you're together, that's because you're allowed to have your own separate identity, to have your own idea of how you're supposed to find a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and allowing yourself to be that path that goes through your window, your, whatever you call it, Sinor, that goes up to Shemayim in your way, and together that builds into something that's much, much stronger. Call it a 12-pronged, 12 12-stringed 12 thing that goes straight up to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We'll stop with that, everybody. Have a great Shabbos.